Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your host, Sean Lair and Adam Heisler. Uh, we're back after a few weeks off. Um, we had another break this uh, recent time. I had baby number four and the Laird family. It's, we're, we're really blessed and we're really excited. It's, it's been awesome. I was just telling Adam before we hopped on that my sleep has been non-existent in the last three weeks, but um, not just from the baby, just from business and stuff and getting ready before the holidays. But uh, we got to get back on track now and get everything organized and, and get rocking and rolling. But uh, Adam, what's going on, dude? Not much, man. Congratulations. Welcome, uh, big gunner to the world. So that's great that's right. news. I'm really excited to hear about it. And uh, yes, it will keep you up all throughout the night. So make sure you take some tips down for me. You got experience doing this. We got our first one that will be here in June. So uh, I need all the learning tips I can get. So if you're doing private lessons or anything like that, just let me know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's going to be, I mean, that'll be fun. It's funny. <clears throat> like, we're doing round number four and like, you know, we sit there and we're talking to the nurses and everything. And, you know, when you're in the hospital, like with the nurses, like there's no rest time at all. Like for you, and obviously not the mother too, because they're just coming in and checking like every hour. So it's always a, it's a shit show when you're trying to rest and everything. But like, we're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. We understand. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get home and obviously, you know, it's everything's similar and the same, but every kid's different. Like Scarlett, uh, she slept for about four hours at a time. And then after a couple of months, she was about eight, eight to 10 hours straight. Crash man was sleeping 12 hours straight from the get go. That dude was a tank. Mariah didn't sleep at all for like three or four months. And then all of a sudden, so sleep well. And now this one's like four. So hopefully he's sleeping consistently soon, but we'll see. Building we'll see up the goes. time right here. Here, yep, here we go. Exactly. But yeah, man. So, um, I kind of, we, and we were talking, so for you listeners are talking to me and Adam, we're sitting there just chit-chatting about um, a good topic is kind of talking about some of the flaws and some of the things that our guys are struggling with right now in the off season, uh, whether it's hitting, you know, obviously there's, there's pitchers and stuff like that. And there's, there's always usually like, I would say the same five to six faults. Cause you know, body's a kinetic chain. And we talk about like little things get messed up here and there. And usually kids like, you know, I'm like, Hey, what'd you do wrong there? Oh, I went around the ball, but they, they, they're really looking at what the result was instead of what the catalyst is. And so we kind of work on certain things, but I'm kind of curious, like, uh, give me like top three things out of that you've been seeing a consistent struggle with guys and kind of what you've been doing to try to work on and help fix them as a, you know, from a group perspective, but also, you know, when you're talking to guys one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, definitely. And I think the big thing right off the top is just understand like all hitters have to work on things. So we all struggle and we all have flaws. So nobody comes in there that, that has a perfect swing or there's not anybody that's been with us for four years that has perfected their swing. We all have flaws. The best ones just know how to fix them on the very next swing. And so I think that a lot of the stuff we were talking before we came on. So when I first got into doing this was right before the Josh Donaldson, the no ground ball kind of thing went viral on MLB network. And for the longest time, when kids would first come in, you were seeing a big time, negative attack angle or kids swinging down, so to speak, like a cross, like a chopping wood, so to speak, aspect. And we were just talking <clears throat> now in like our fifth year of doing this, I'm seeing more kids that come in swinging like straight up and like pushing back with their swing to try to create lift with the ball. And it's just, it's funny because it, it's what's the total opposite direction. So now with those kids, it's more about body posture and making sure they're in a good position to hit. And when they're in that position, do they train consistently out of there? So I, number one, right off the bat, will be our posture at both our launch position, but then our posture at the point of contact is one thing we really see that that's where most of our adjustments have to come from, whether it's being hip hinged in your launch position or 
getting into a good balance, but powerful position and not being either stuck on a negative move forward and down or too much of a positive move stuck back on the backside and tilting straight up to the sky. So it's trying to find that happy medium right there is number one. Uh, number two, I would say is getting the, to understand what the feet do in the swing. I think there's a lot of spinning feet going on for the longest time. We thought the only way we could rotate was to spin our feet because the squish the bug rule or anything that comes along those lines of spin my feet or push off with my feet. And that's going to create more torque and power. And what it really does is create uh, torque, but it's going away from the ball. So you're spinning off the ball constantly and you're not actually putting the energy of the barrel directly into the baseball. So I would say feet spinning is the number two thing. And then number three is just, I would probably talk about timing a lot of the time uh, being on time, ready to hit the baseball. So we'll work a ton out of the no stride position. I'm a big, big fan of that. Uh, there was a new kid in yesterday. Uh, I think he's a sophomore in high school, really talented kid, but had never hit from the no stride position. And man, it was pretty electric without him even moving just yet. And he saw it in his eyes. Like he was more of a big bat tip to try to create some momentum. And not that we took it away from him, but we kind of just let him see how direct his barrel can be when he's in a good position versus constantly trying to get his barrel there in a good position by having a big back tip. Just the more you have movement going on, the more you have to be really precise with your timing. So it's almost the old saying of like, keep it simple, stupid, meaning if we can just keep it simple and stay strong in a good position, work our barrel directly to the ball, stay on the ball as long as possible, there's a good chance we're gonna have a successful at bat in that appearance or a good chance that that swing I just took is going to be a good swing. So those are the three things I would uh, really like to harp on. And that's what we harp on with most of the guys that we see, whether they come in for the first time or they've been with us for a year or been with us for four years, like it's constantly evolving and trying to figure out. And last thing before I turn it over is like uh, last night as well, we had two kids that had two separate issues. So when I'm explaining one to one of them, I'm telling the other one, this isn't for you. So don't pay attention to this, but learn why hitter A needs to think this and why hitter B, you need to think the totally opposite of this so you can both be successful. And so we really try to pride ourselves on not teaching one swing. We're just trying to teach uh, you. Big thing is short, quick swing, staying through the zone, hitting all types of pitches is what we talk about all the time is what we've got to get really good at. So it's not that, hey, everybody has to swing a certain way because not all of us move that certain way. It's just like stuff we talk about all the time, but what are your kind of your main three things that you see with either people first day evaluations or even guys that have been with you that are still trying to pick up this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> my stuff's going to be very similar. I mean, obviously I like from an exercise science perspective, I like looking at the body and like looking at how things move and how things work. And we were talking on before, like you're talking about the Josh Donaldson thing. Like I got a lot of guys that are doing the same thing. They're trying to create lift at the wrong time. Um, you know, that whether they're, they're leaning back and changing their spine angle, but basically, basically going straight back toward the catcher. Um, maybe they're dropping hands and then trying to create a lift right there. Um, they, they, they're not understanding. Uh, and, and for the listeners here, like, you know, being on time with a good attack angle, as long as your attack angle is, 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 is a good angle and you know, you're on time, the barrel is going to be on its way up. If you're catching the balls out front. And I try to explain that to guys all the time. And it's like, unless you're swinging at a ball at your face, that first move of the hands, you know, the way I explain it is down. It's down like a, almost like a 45 degree angle, like somewhere right around there. And I don't, I don't like say, Hey, it's a 45 degree angle, but I explain to them like, you know, there's different feels like high pitches in the zone. Maybe you're thinking it's across your neck or across your face, lower pitches. It's across maybe your chest, like your lower pecs. Like it's different for every contact point, every pitch. 
Um, and so I try to explain to them and like, the big thing is, is I'll, I'll, I'll video myself or I'll show a picture. Like, and I, I love like showing pictures of Barry Bonds or, or showing pictures of certain guys that kind of shows like Bonds is bat path. You know, he was in the zone, but he was so damn quick in the zone and the slot and, and, and movement was so efficient. I'm like, and we talked about this before episodes ago about guys trying to hit for power. I'm like, dude, like you got to master the art of hitting the ball on a line before you ever try to master, you know, hitting the ball, you know, 400 plus feet or whatever. And you're not going to learn how to hit the ball 400 plus feet with this big ass movement on the backside. So that's kind of things that we go on. And, and with that, what I've seen with that is a lot of guys, if they get too crazy with, you know, changing their torso, their hands are dragging behind. And then they end up, they actually end up pushing for the ball and they're pushing the ball to right field, or they're getting beat on high 80 plus on inside. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm telling them like, like if you can hit, a fastball in all these locations, you know, seven balls cross over the plate. If you can hit a fastball consistently right here, you know, I love it. Your timing's good. And it kind of transitions to my next part is like you just said, like there's timing issues, but rhythm, rhythm and timing, they go hand in hand, as you know. And, and so there's guys that really struggle with rhythm and the, under, and, and the, the concept of rhythm. And I, I, we talked about this a little bit, but I really love soft toss for teaching quick rhythm with guys I don't want to rush guys by any means, but the soft toss, the reaction time and the time you have to load, it, 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 it's very compact. It has to be shorter. And so you have to learn to adapt. And sometimes I'll throw loop balls. Sometimes I'll throw the soft toss balls really quick. But when I grew up, like here in Indiana, like we did soft toss. Like my dad didn't play baseball. My dad was a boxer, a football player. And he literally did soft toss from a standing position for me for years and years and years. And my timing and my rhythm was always pretty solid. Um, and, and the big thing with that is like when I, guys just show up or they just go through the motions, they do T-work or they're hitting the same BP rounds, pulling the left field all, all day, every day. They're not really learning rhythm. Like every swing is an adjustment. We can't have it. Like I tell them, like, listen, if, if I'm throwing 38 mile an hour BP right now or I'm throwing 42 mile an hour underhand, like hard toss and every swing looks like an adjusted swing, that's a big ass problem. And like you, your fastball swing, your fastball timing has got to be consistent. The adjusted swings have got to be when I change speeds on you. Um, and so I tell them, like, you know, when we go inside, outside, middle, you've got to be on time. Like I, I always use the rule, like we're 80% effective. If we're 80% efficient, we're, do, we're hitting eight balls out of 10 in a drill or eight balls out of 10 with timing. Doesn't mean every ball, if I hit 95 mile an hour, doesn't mean every ball's going to be 95. But if I'm hitting it hard, that 80% rule is, is, is what I'm going for. Um, and then, and then lastly, like you were talking about spinning the front foot. So I've been, when I first started doing lessons, it was always about, yeah, you're pulling off the front side, you're pulling off the front side. And then I would always use the analogy. I still use it is guys pulling off the front side. You know, you can equate it to pitchers. Like if a pitcher flies open, his arm drags behind, he's missing high. That's, that's very easy to see. But with hitting, you know, even though pitching's out of fast, hitting's even faster. It happens so much quicker, so much faster. Like the foot gets down for MLB guys balls like 15 to 25 feet away and they've got that time to react and swing and turn that that is so fast and how fast they turn so over the years i've gotten better and better and better at seeing little things so now like you're saying the spinning front foot like for me i never had issues with heel connection i never had to think about heel connection i never had to think about all my foot needs to be on the ground and i started noticing guys would step on their toes and their heel would never hit the damn ground and I'm like, what, like, dude, what, what? And I, I'm sitting there kind of confused. And then I would see guys hit their heel on the ground and then they'd bring their heel back up. And now they're lunging forward and their contact, their front knee is bent, you know, 
30 degrees or whatever. They can't get a stiff front side of contact. And then I started seeing um, to, to rush. So like we we're talking about rhythm and timing this and the rhythm of timing affects this too. I start seeing the front knee lockout. So instead of actually rotating the pelvis, they just lock out their front knee, they stand up and then they just push their hands. And uh, you know, and I, a lot of clients I have are super athletic, super talented. Like they can get away with it. Some of them aren't like that, but either way, I always tell them like, it doesn't matter about getting away with it. You don't want to get away with things. You, you want to be performing at the highest level possible. And then if you're fooled, then you rely on your hands or just push or whatever you have to do, right. To, to, to make contact with two strikes or whatever the count the situation is. But, you know, in order to be a master at this game, master of hitting you have to be efficient and know what you're doing so now when i talk about pulling off the front side like we talk about spinning the front foot you know bringing the heel down losing the heel connection and then lunging forward we talk about the front knee locking out sometimes it's the front hip pulling off and then and now other times it really is the the shoulder pulling off and, and then other times it's the hands are going out first and they literally in order to get the barrel there they have to pull off in order to get the barrel to the zone and so I really take a lot, a lot of time now in bringing that down. And we usually, like for our, our sessions, we usually go three rounds through everything. But sometimes here in the winter, like we'll only do two long rounds each. So each kid will get maybe, you know, eight to 10 minute round, two eight to 10 minute rounds. Um, and with me personally, and then they're doing two eight to minute rounds on the main drill today that they need to focus on. And, and then, you know, the development was stuff that power work, the med ball training, all the stuff that we do on top of it, you know, the million drills that we throw in. Um, but that's the thing is like, it's like, we have to break it down a little bit more efficient. Are we going to get less reps for, you know, a month or two? Yes. But are these going to be more quality reps? So hell yeah, we're going to do, I'd rather do 125 reps in an hour than and with quality movements and actually talking and learning each other and learning, you know, how we speak to each other than 250 to 300 reps. And we're just, re we're just repeating the bad habits over and over. And so that's kind of like, for me, when we get into this, this part of the season, like this, like for us, it's different because you guys start earlier, but that December, January part, once mid-January and late January hits then it's like, hey, dude, we got to get ready to rock and roll. This is timing, timing, timing. So we, we work on the reps and work on mastering things like that. But I'm kind of curious, like, so when you get guys that spin that front foot and they can't get heel connection, they can't utilize, they can't utilize their hips properly and turn their pelvis and they're just spinning. What's the first couple of things that you do with them? Yeah, so what we started doing recently, we have it's called the farm board. You can see it probably on Twitter anywhere like that. And I really like it because it's it slides up. I've also seen furniture movers as well be used. So what we'll do is we'll get into soft toss. We are both big fans of soft toss from the side, and we'll have them stride to balance. And then once the front foot lands on the farm board and they're in a good position, it's they're trying to swing without the board moving at all. So it's almost like you keep that front side like it's stuck in glue. That way you're learning that my front foot isn't going to open and then I swing. It's just going to be all backside driven. It's really challenging because the thing will slide. And it's like sometimes you feel like you're going to do the splits if you like push off of it too much. So I like that. I mentioned the furniture mover you can use. Uh, even if you don't have either one of those, just kind of watch their front foot as they stride. Just challenge them. Hey, try not to have your front foot once it strikes the ground. And you brought up a great point so many kids that will land on their toe some will go toe then heel then spin some just go toe spin some they never feel that heel connection the whole foot get down so they're not using the ground to the best way possible so what we've got to focus on is once that foot strikes the ground man i'm still i like having them stride to that position so they're balanced they're in a good position to hit 
like their launch position. And then as they go ahead and swing, it's putting all the energy of the barrel directly into the ball. And it's just a backside driven swing. And it's really more of a feel. I'm not worried about hitting balls, 95 line drives right back in the net. It's more as I'm worried, can I take a full swing without the board moving away, trying to spin? Because the more you can efficiently do that, the more you'll start to see it kind of knock out of your regular swing. Uh, another thing I've seen that I've done before too, is just kind of slide a bat or a PVC pipe, something behind that front foot to challenge them. You can put like, create like an L shape form basically of when I stride. Now I can't open and knock the PVC pipe in front of me, nor can I step out, so to speak, and then knock the one behind me. So it just gets them into a good position. Uh, we talk about hitting in a phone booth. So now they're understanding not spinning out of the phone booth. They're staying behind some barriers that are keeping them really focused on not flying off the ball and not, not spinning off at the front side. Cause we can both watch hitters the whole time and consistently say, Hey, quit, quit flying open, quit flying open. I've seen it all my life. I've even caught myself doing it sometimes. Maybe they're physically, they're trying not to fly open. Just, it's just happening. So there's something going on mechanically that's not allowing them to stay closed and stay on the baseball. And uh, a lot of drill work of, if they're struggling on that flying off, set the ball low and away on the tee and force themselves to develop a good path and a good rhythm to hit that ball that way. Uh, last night I had a kid that was struggling with it. We were doing front toss, so we literally stopped doing front toss. I told him to grab the tee. I stood behind the net and we set up the tee and he had to really challenge himself to hit the low and away one and quit capping it because he was just flying open and the cap kept catching the ball. And that's why he wasn't being able to drive through that ball the right way, just because he had committed to opening the front side too early. Uh, another thing we've done recently uh, to kind of really, we call it just kill our feet. So our feet don't spin at all. We'll put them on yoga blocks. I've seen balance beans before, which are work perfect. Just a two by four, set our feet on there, make sure our butt back, chest over, we're in a good hinge position and just challenge ourselves to really fill our barrel and our bat path connection while striking the ball pretty flush and fluidly without our feet spinning and falling off those blocks. So it really helps those guys understand how to kind of stretch and rotate from their core and not trying to fly open with their feet, so to speak. So now they're learning the movements and they surprise themselves, man. When they do this, they see the ball jump and they're like, man, I'm not even using my feet or I'm not even loading, but yet the energy is just creating that barrel path right behind the ball and you're hitting good line drives right back at the L screen. And you're learning how to, like I said, feel stretch in your core. And it's just easy when you have these barriers, I feel like kids learn faster because they're now visual. I think so many of them are visual learners that, Hey, I physically can't do this or I'm going to fall or I'm going to, do a split or I'm going to fall off the yoga blocks or I'm going to hit the PVC pipes. So now they really challenge yourself. Is it going to feel weird? Of course, because it's a different, you have a flaw that we're trying to fix, but the more consistent you get with fixing that the swing pass starts to clean itself up. And now it's like, okay, we've taken away that issue. So let's see what else we can get back onto everything. So that's a couple of things that we've done with the front side. Uh, another thing we've noticed before too, is just, I call it the forward leap. We all want to crush the ball, but so many young hitters are trying to like leap and create momentum to crush. And what's later on in life is going to lead you down a dirty path of when they start to throw all speed pitches for you. And you're going to be leaping out there and swinging and missing at curveballs instead of being able to stay back on them. Uh, same thing if you're leaping and jumping and they're starting to mix up speeds, they're mixing up parts of the zone, they're going to go up and in, jam you, then they're going to go low and away and strike you out. So it's got to be able to be quick behind our front leg, like once we strike the ground. And then not leaping out there to try to make contact with the ball. We just call it, don't let your body come crashing into the ball. Remember, hit with the bat, not hit with your body. So those are some main things that we really, really try to harp on of 
no, we're not trying to take away your athleticism. But I think I like to say is sometimes your body is getting in the way of your swing. And you can be the strongest guy in the world, but if you can't consistently get the barrel to the ball, like you're going to struggle with hitting. I don't care what level you're going to be at. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that. That's a big thing with me is, you know, you watch guys and you see them. It's it's little flaws and little things like that. It goes such a long way. Like seeing the spinning the front side and seeing little things that affect where the hands are going. Okay, well, it's very easy to sit there and go, your hands are going away from the body, but you know, you got to sit there and it, sometimes it takes six to eight swings, 10 swings. Sometimes it takes a, you know, a couple rounds and then you start seeing little pickups, little, little, little things here and there to kind of affect, you know, what, what's, what's actually causing that issue. What's causing them to spin off or whatever. And we do, we do a ton of balance beam. We do the furniture sliders. We do it on both feet a lot. I'm a big advocate of, of the, a brick wall. Like we have center block walls and I love putting the front foot up against that wall mm-hmm. and, and, and forcing like, you can't move the foot, like the foot stay in there. And so we're, th- we're doing med ball throws. We're doing yeah. knob drills. We're doing a lot of like turns from a slow and we kind of slow it down to where they feel it. And then you slowly start speeding it up and, you know, and, and then you start getting the feel for, it, and then it starts transferring over into, into the actual lesson and then transfers over into the game. And, one thing I will say for people who are listening to this, like we're talking about the most common flaws that we're seeing in the offseason hitting programs, right? These flaws, like you don't cure them and they just never go away. These flaws are something that we're predisposed to, whether it's from a mobility perspective, a physiological perspective, strength perspective, whatever it is. And those that muscle memory that we had when they were, we were younger or had that, you know, growing up, these flaws, they're always going to want to creep in. The swing's always trying to get away from you. And you have to do these things. It's not like you just work on this flaw for one offseason and then poof, magic. You know, the genie is like, hey, your wish is granted. Now you're never going to do this flaw again, right? Like, it's something that's it's done forever. And so, that like, we talk about creating your own hitting routines and understanding hitting routines. When you're learning this stuff from guys like Adam and guys like me, you've got to know what drills help alleviate those flaws and help you kind of almost like, you know, cure like those little weaknesses. And then you have to use that. There has to be a maintenance phase. It's like lifting the weight room. Like once I get to 400 pounds of a squat or 500 pounds of deadlift or whatever, I don't go, you know what, bro, I'm 500 pounds. I don't have to do shit the rest of my life. Cause I'm fine. I can deadlift 500 pounds. Like if you don't use it, you lose it. And that's true with hitting and drills too. Like you have to maintain. It doesn't mean you have to do a thousand reps a day. Maybe it's 10 reps a day and a little drills to work on, on cleaning up fields. It's, you know, it's warming up your body for a lift. Those correlations for you that are listening you have to understand that this is a day in and day out thing and getting better and fixing these flaws. It's a lifetime commitment for as long as you're playing this game. No, that's an awesome point right there. And I think the big thing too, is you've got to challenge yourself when you do these drills and you think you've mastered them as, all right, well, let's take it to live batting practice or let's take it to a machine or let's take it and see if they come back. And most of the time they are going to come back because it's easy to do it when the ball's sitting still in the tee, or it's easy to do it from a side toss perspective because you're not really worried about it. But what about when, you're in the competition phase and your adrenaline's ramping up and you're wanting to go. Will the old habits come back to try to to try to get the swing off? Or are you gonna kind of trust what you've really been working on and trying to install in yourself? So reps, rep, rep, you gotta rep it out the right way and you've got to be consistent with it. And like Sean said, like come up with your own routine with this. So yesterday was the first day with our college guys back in town. And I've worked with them before in the past, but literally for this whole month, I've told them. All I want you to do is figure out your few things off the tee that you need to get ready to get into whatever else that we're about to get into. Y'all start February 2nd here uh, for junior colleges. Uh, The other schools will start later on in February, but now's the time to learn what routine, what drills you need off the tee or what drills you need from side toss to get you ready to perform once 
live at bat start because that's what it ultimately matters is what works best for you. It might not work for the other one. So do you really need to waste your time doing that one? No, if you don't have that issue, don't waste your time doing that one. Have the ones that will fix your swing and help you be the best that you can be is the biggest thing that you can take away from that. Yep. And and I know uh, you got a role to train these college guys out. So I'll kind of close out with this right here. But it's, it's you know, it's the it's the same thing with pitchers. Like we're talking about hitters right here. But a lot of times with pitchers, like I'll, I'll give you the quick three here at the end for, for those that are listening. Like, well, I'm a pitcher. I want to know what pitching like pulling the front side off right mm-hmm. now. It could be the back foot. I always talk about the back foot being a rudder. I actually talked about this on the podcast a couple of episodes ago with uh, when we had the visitor on for as a guest, like. You're turning that front back back foot. I see that back foot. There's no connection with the, the rubber and it's kind of spinning off and you're literally yeah. creating a lane to where you're throwing to the right-handed hitter's batter's box or left-handed hitter's batter's box. So, you know, maybe your body's trying to fly open because you're stepping so far across the body and you're creating a lane to throw. That's an issue I see consistently. On top of that, which is the second flaw, which is, it ties into this, the hip shoulder separation, which is the same thing with hitters. Like as soon as guys want to open up the hips, the whole front side, the upper half goes, there's got to be a little bit of, there's got to be hip shoulder separation period. Like the hardest throwers in the game, the best hitters in the game, they have no nobility and stability to create hip shoulder separation. And it creates that slingshot effect when you throw at a baseball and when you're swinging a bat in order to hit a baseball. And so a lot of guys don't have the physical mobility in order to do it. Like I said before, like squat, squat, you know, bench and uh, power clean is not the only thing you do in the weight room. Like, Doing those things are awesome, but you've got to do things that allow you to maximize that hip shoulder separation and big T-spine mobility, blah, 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 blah. Same things I've been harping on forever, but you can't just sit here and just say, you can't just sit there and go, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. That stuff doesn't work. It actually does. And it works. It works very effectively when you know how to actually treat the, the, the problem. And the last thing with pitchers, when it comes to a lot of flaws, and we've been doing this pitching mechanics camp and we've been going over this and understanding, you know, getting the backside through. But there's not they're not really don't they don't really know balance and when to drive. So like a lot of guys are falling forward as they're lifting their leg, just like guys striding and hitting. They're mm-hmm. falling forward. They don't know how to really hold a single leg hinge when they're actually lifting a leg up and really, truly drive that backside and drive your glutes, hold that pelvis closed, throwing a home plate. And so like a lot of these pitching mechanics things like more than half of the stuff that we work on is like physical, physical ability, like being able to fix little, little limitations that guys are having. And, you know, I say this all the time and I know you agree with this, Adam, but hitting and pitching are very similar. The flaws that I see with hitters, I guarantee I'm always, I'm telling like, I guarantee I'm going to see the same flaw when you come in for your pitching lesson and Mm -hmm. vice versa. Like we see the same flaws because the body's the body. You know, if there's a human movement, if there's a movement that you're struggling with, and you're doing a rotational movement, it's not just, oh, it's only going to happen when I'm hitting. It happens with everything that you do. So, you know, if you guys are listening, like take these flaws and know that these are the things that we're working on. We've got a ton of information out there online for you to do this. If you're interested and want to know, like if like we dive into a little bit, Adam dove in a lot about spinning the front foot. If you want to know more about little flaws like that, we can talk and elaborate about that stuff. Just ask us, you know, shoot us an email, whatever. Um, comment on Twitter or whatever when we post these so you actually want to know the, the background of what we do and how we do certain things. And obviously, we can't sit here and explain something in a 30-minute or 60-minute video because there's so much context. Like, we can talk about hitting for hours and hours and hours and not cover everything ex- exactly the same way. It's different every day. But anything you want no, to roll out with? Yeah, that's a great point. If you have a flaw or you know what your flaw is and we didn't cover it today, yeah, leave it in the comment. Let's 
sit down and try to help you out the best way we can. And it might be the craziest drill in the world, but if it works for you, guess what? That's going to be big and key for you because you're confident in it. You trust it. And you know that you're going to have success once you kind of fix the flaw. And like I said before, we all have flaws, just the best ones know how to fix their flaws faster than the other ones do. So challenge yourself, figure out what your flaw is, ask questions, uh, leave comments, let us know. And we'll try our best to answer them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's the thing is you got to you got to be humble enough to accept that you have flaws too. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that, that that don't do that, and they end up hurting themselves in the long run because they they ignore their weakness and focus on a strength. And you get to the higher levels, that weakness is going to be shown in a hot in a limelight, and that's the only thing that they're going to go after. But guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I know we wanted to keep this you know short and, and to the point today, and enjoying it. And I thought this was uh this was a banger personally because I, I know that these flaws are stuff that guys kind of overlook. Um, you know, from the off-season training perspectives. But if you guys enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.